Did you do it this time? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I would just like to report what just happened to me uh, that Julia inflicted upon me. I feel like I'm tattling on her. I was like, Julia, you ready to go? Ready? One, two, three. And I think I got to three and Julia was like, oh, I forgot I had to do something. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, I have to press record too. <laughs> you're like, oh, wait, I'm not mentally prepared for the one thing my finger has to do. <laughs> Let me, let me put my phone down and actually wake my computer back up so I can press a button. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, that is important. Oh, wow. Well, welcome, everyone, to Paranormal Captivity. We're here. And we're still quarantined. We're, st- <laughs> we're still here forever. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, I was just telling Julia, I've been hitting some quarantine walls, even though I am fully an indoor house cat myself. I, I've, I've discovered I do like the one or few times I go out in the week. (laughs) And uh, it's just, it's just getting to me. Although I do have a cup of tea in front of me right now. So that's really helping. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to have to get up and, and get my tea in a second. It's like probably like a foot out of my arm's reach but it's also scalding hot so it's not important right now (laughs) oh mine did the same thing i like timed it perfectly this uh this go around usually it's either yeah it's like been sitting for too long or it's like way too hot but i poured it like probably i'd say like seven minutes ago so nice it's like the perfect perfect temperature right now nice Mm mm-hmm Oh God! Sorry, that was like massive swallowing sounds. <laughs> that was a little, a little bit ASMR-y. a little juicy. Oh God! Well, guys, oh my gosh, uh, we hope you're doing okay. Whew. Um, quarantine's getting long. We hope we're doing okay too. <laughs> yeah, we include ourselves in that as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, getting a little lengthy, and. Yeah. Um, rough life (laughs) just yeah sending uh sending love to everyone um yeah maybe a little uh shout out to our last episode if you guys haven't listened to that one that one was so super fun um we're still waiting for the totals to come in from our that episode and then all the money from that episode we're going to donate to uh best friends animal shelter and feeding america um, it also was just the greatest talk. We had our first guest on, M. Schultz from And That's Why We Drink, um, recommended Banicula. So we read Banicula last time. It was a blast and a half. Yeah, that was a good one. A good book. Yeah. Good recommendation. Yeah, that was a good quarantine boost, a good, uh, uh, what were we saying? Like a rebound from The Cat Who Blew the Whistle, which was a real... Uh, <laughs> A real bummer and a half. A real downer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we also today have a new book for you guys, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I am too. I... I'm I'm unconvinced about the writing, but I'm liking the storyline. Correct. (laughs) 
Yes, I actually have the same exact critique of it. I am into it in the way that I like watch reality television of like, (laughs) yes, storylines are there. Yes, like drama is there. I'm into everything that's happening. I'm not sure it's the best writing, no. but I almost don't care because yeah. I just am. I'm I'm in, I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. It actually I'm. <laughs> so as I was reading it, I was like, hmm, this reminds me a little bit. Like the writing style reminds me a, a little bit of another cat book that we. <laughs> I'm Uh-oh. embarrassed to I'm embarrassed to talk about, but we should read at some point if we can <laughs> dig it out of the attic. <laughs> oh God, what's that? Is that the one we should have mom on for? Is this like a like a relic of our the gross family past? <laughs> it is. Um, so when I was in fourth grade, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> I published a book of my own it is hand written (laughs) and hand illustrated it's one of a kind there is no other copy in the history of the world (laughs) um it's called fly away hippo oh my god i remember (laughs) fly away hippo (gasps) it's about Uh. hippos but it's also about cats (laughs) (laughs) i mean as any good hippo book should be about cats as well yeah for sure. But there was, like, one line. I'm not going to, like, ruin the plot of the book just in case we can dig it out of the attic <laughs> and read it. <laughs> My God, I love that you don't want to give spoilers on, like, your own fourth grade project. <laughs> I enjoy that a lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty, like, I could, spo- I could ruin the whole book for you because I haven't memorized. <laughs> oh, God. But there was one, there's like one point, because I was a fourth grader when I wrote it, so I didn't know how to write. And I like, there was one point where I like wanted something really big to happen, but I didn't know how to go through the process of like explaining that something big was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think the line that I used was like, and they agreed right away because that's just the kind of people they are. <laughs> Yes. No, I love that. And I feel like this writing style for this book is like a little bit similar. Like big mm-hmm. things happen and it's just kind of like brushed past because I don't know if the author like wants to spend a whole lot of time or like maybe doesn't know how to spend a whole lot of time on like inner monologue or like processing of emotions or like big things going yeah. on. It just like it seemed a little rushed. You know, I think what it does, so I'm also realizing we haven't even said the name of the book yet, which is oh, yeah. pretty typical <laughs> us. Just jump right in. <laughs> yeah, just jumping right in. Um, so sorry, guys, this is, we are reading Caught Dead Handed, A Witch City Mystery by Carol J. Perry. And ju- I think I actually blurbed it. Uh, I think I posted it on Instagram. So if you want to read the little, oh, no, I didn't blurb it. I think I, I read the first, like, pa- uh chapter or like the no the first like page or something oh we should get back into blurbing we should get back into blurbing i think the problem is we weren't planning ahead enough so (laughs) yeah (laughs) we didn't have the blurb (laughs) too far ahead um but uh basically the part of the the thing of it is that it takes place in salem massachusetts which already great has a Mm -hmm, cat mm -hmm. already great Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. they're just a lot of more like cat but paranormally side of things like we've always wanted from mm-hmm. ljb and she never gives to us mm-hmm. um but you're totally right julia because the writing style i've noticed too in some of the other 
not the cat who the cat who doesn't always do this I, I don't think I've seen this much in the cat who but um and I can't remember if it was Rita Mae Brown or if it was one of the uh, I actually really I thought the Rita Mae Brown books were maybe some of the best written ones that we've read so far so maybe yeah. it wasn't that maybe I think it was it was one of the other series that we've di- like delved into a little bit but I'm noticing that sometimes maybe it's just in mystery maybe it's not but I've noticed it in another book I, I wish I remember what it was um it, it's almost like they try to up the suspense by not telling you what's happening and it's like it's almost like the like a style of like like in filmmaking when you see like a shadow or like a knife you know like the the like shadow of the knife and you don't actually see it like go into someone but you suspect or you know it's almost like that but it's like I don't think especially in this book I don't think it's very effective in building suspense it it only makes you fill in the blanks with your mind of like Oh, okay. Like she saw a dead body. Like there literally wasn't a point when she first saw it that it said she saw a dead body until you like needed to know it later, which is weird, like a weird kind of dichotomy. So I'm with you. I think it's a a choice and I think it's not always the right choice. (laughs) (laughs) Not always a well-executed choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because I almost, in a mystery, it's almost... I almost want it to be more, like, upfront, like, you're seeing... Because you're, like I've said before, like, I feel like a lot of the point of reading cozy mysteries in particular is that you're trying to solve the mystery with people. So it's like you're trying... You you want all the information as soon as you're able to have it, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel out of the loop, you know? Yeah. But can't, then again... You can't be a sleuth if you're out of the loop. I... <laughs> Okay, well, we need shirts that say that now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I apologize in advance if you hear Chuni howling in the background when you get this. Oh, no. (laughs) He is howling away, which. Oh, there he is. You hear him? Yeah, now I can. Yeah. He's upstairs and Mushu doesn't want to play. And that's his Mushu come out howl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, buddy. Mushu's probably never going to come out. No, Mushu will never come out. Yeah, he only starts howling after he's already, like, fucked with Mushu a bunch. And Mushu, like, really, like, lays into him and kicks him out from under the bed. And then he just, like, stands there and howls. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like his tattling to you of, like... Make him love me. Grandpa doesn't want to play. (laughs) (laughs) My god, Musha really is the grandpa of your house, huh? Yeah, he is. Oh, buddy. Little guy. Well, now that we've bitched a lot about this book, I actually am really enjoying this book. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am too. It actually is reminding me a lot of Charmed. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. Like, big house yeah. that they're in a lot. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, kind of like coming back to your, like, hometown um, and discovering, like, hidden magical secrets and, like, the, um, I guess in Charmed it was their grandmother? No, it was their, yeah, their grandmother. In this book, it's her aunt. Or is it her grandmother that's taking care of her? Oh, uh, sorry. It's her aunt in the book. Yeah. So kind mm-hmm. of like the 
matriarch that's like not like the not the original parents kind of like caretaker matriarch yeah a lot of similar strains of storyline yeah that's true it it has that same idea of like uh, because i think in charm too the parents were killed uh when they were young that happened here too and then there were you know mysterious circumstances surrounding it and that happened here too it i will say it was kind of abrupt when we did find out that she had powers even though i think i read that on the the book jacket of like oh yeah she has powers and i like somehow forgot and was like whoa we're already here and her aunt is being (laughs) real upset about what's happening but yeah you're right it has a lot of those same like themes of like coming home Oh, Chuni! Chuni, he came downstairs and is now howling down here. <laughs> Buddy, <shh. laughs> he heard that we were talking about him. Yeah. Okay, he's gone. Oh my God! As a small aside, John and I just—we uh, wore our masks and gloves, but we did go out and get in and out today because we were like, we need to get some kind of treat for ourselves. This has in been out. Ooh, too much. I, treat- I treated myself with food today too. Oh, sometimes you just have to. Oh my you god! Gotta. Yeah, I I ordered delivery bow. Oh bow! Oh my god, that's so good. Oh, mm-hmm, love it. Mm-hmm. It was um, delicious, and the delivery guy. I ordered food for myself last week too, and the delivery guy like waited on my doorstep and handed me the food, and I was like, I'm gonna uh-uh. get Corona. Yeah. And then, no. This week, um, he, like, I watched him from my upstairs window like a creep, and he was in mm-hmm. his car. He, like, put on new gloves and, like, came out with a face mask on and put it on my doorstep and then walked oh, away. And amazing. I was like, oh, bravo. Thank you, yeah. mister, for not wanting to murder everyone. Yeah, that is correct. I actually have changed all of my settings in my delivery apps to be, to say, like, the front door code is this. Please leave it on our doorstep thank you Mm -hmm. so much and then i tip really well because i'm like i know you're in a rough job right now Um, yeah also yeah shout out to the people at in and out because they are doing a truly excellent job of like they all had they were like in full like has i mean not really hazmat suits but like they looked like they were just done up full and like they were truly all of them were seeing were staying the six feet apart from everyone and we were really surprised mm-hmm. it was like amazing nice. but yeah. <laughs> while we were out we were literally ta- we do this all the, like before we were you know social distancing and i think i've said this before on um on here but john and i will like frequently go to a bar and just talk about our cats and then be like should we just go home to our cats <laughs> oh my god chuny i know i'm like watching my audio spike like a little tiny bit and I'm sure you, you can't hear him but you will on the audio he's on there <laughs> i can hear him a little bit but i mean yeah i'm sure it'll be all the more fun to hear yeah. it on the the mic yeah, well, hopefully you can cut most of it out because it's not that much while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it hasn't been that bad. No, no. Okay. But yeah, basically when we were getting in and out today, we uh, we um, were talking about Shadow and how he, I can't remember exactly what he had done, but he was doing something ridiculous and we had like, we're talking about it in the car and then we got back home and Shadow was like so in our faces that then we were like, you know, we were talking about you in the car. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yay, and we're back. Sorry. And we're back. 
technical difficulties. I have no idea where we left off. Nope, I don't either. That's why we should probably leave it at technical difficulties, and then I can just throw in some little cat purrs and... uh... (laughs) Yes. I think we were just talking about the writing style and some of the... Oh, no, we were talking about how it was so, like, uh, charmed and how it has such a, like, you know, the parents are gone under mysterious circumstances, that type of thing. Yeah, Um, it is given me somewhat of a yeah of a charmed vibe um yeah so i guess that that segues well into the beginning because the book kind of like opens up with like well it doesn't really open up on her backstory but it it kind of does it opens with her getting back to her hometown for a interview for a TV reporter position. Yeah, at Whoa. WICH TV, which spells TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just put, I just put that together that they didn't include the T because it was in TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we we um first meet up with Lee Barrett Merrily to her uh, aunt Ibby, who has raised her. And uh, yeah, we we meet up with her for the first time as she's walking into a job interview that goes horribly, horribly awry for well, her. It doesn't happen <laughs> at all. It doesn't go. True. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, might I take this moment also to note that there is a lot of Emerson College mention in this book. Yeah, she does uh, go to, well, she has graduated from Emerson College. What, what? My alma mater. Um, I also thought it was really funny. I meant to look it up and see if the author was from Emerson because there's literally a line that one of the characters says, which was like, Emerson, best college for theater or like musical, like, you know, dramatic things. And I was like, oh, this person was real into Emerson. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, she's like, I don't think she's like really a recent grad um, because she's had another life at one point not a not another life because this is paranormal i should choose my words more carefully um (laughs) she has had a previous different life um she lived we sort of find out in pieces along the way pretty soon so this isn't like a spoiler um she's actually moving back to salem because her husband died they were living in florida and he we kind of find out in pieces along the way um but yeah, we find out pretty early that he died, and then we get the details along the way that um, he died in a car crash. We get the detail that he's a race car driver, so we think that, like, I just initially assumed that it was at a race, but it turns out it was actually in the car while she was driving, and it was, like, kind of a mysterious circumstance. Like, there was this black car, no lights on, drove, like, almost headfirst into them. And so she's obviously dealing with a lot of guilt after that her aunt has to kind of bring her down from that um a few different times to say like it's not obviously this is not your fault you cannot beat yourself up about it obviously these are natural feelings but there's no way this is your fault and yeah i think uh they haven't fully said that's exactly why she's moved back but it kind of gives that impression yeah i mean i think she's trying to like start over a little bit it doesn't really give a reason why she's starting over back in her hometown Mm -hmm. um yeah because it also gives a little tidbit that she is quite wealthy from her inheritance when her parents died when she was young um she inherited a lot of money Mm -hmm. from them so she is like 
independently wealthy and doesn't necessarily like need to work so she could technically start over anywhere and didn't have to move back in with her aunt so we haven't like totally gotten a reason why she's back in Salem but I mean when the spirit moves you uh the spirit yeah because pretty quickly we get into some like sort of fun occult territory um so as we mentioned earlier uh, hopefully i don't think that part got cut out (laughs) (laughs) we'll see um one of the first things that happens so yeah she goes into this interview pretty quickly she's told this interview is not fucking happening and that they hired someone else like she goes in to meet with the the um this like main kind of mysterious the head of the the news uh, news media company and um she doesn't even get in because the Rhonda poor Rhonda has like the kind of the you know wearer of many hats type job and so she's at the front desk when um Lee comes in and poor Rhonda has to give Lee the information that Lee's interview is canceled because they have just hired someone else so that sucks and she Lee leaves kind of you know mad and upset like rightfully so that sucks and like she does make the point like she I think she was moving back anyway but they haven't really clarified but it does make it seem like she uh or she tells people that she flew back just for this interview yeah but it also sounded like she wasn't leaving anyway and she did run into important note as she was leaving she did run into judy don't do it oh buddy (laughs) come here (laughs) um she did run into george i think was his name right um Uh who is i don't remember what he does is he a producer he's a cameraman cameraman of course (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah, so she did run into George, one of the cameramen, um, and talk mm-hmm. to him for a little bit. And I can't remember if he was the one that she told that she, like, probably wasn't heading back anytime soon. But it did come out at some point um, that she probably wasn't leaving town. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty clear that she was going to stay there no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh yeah yeah she meets george it's unclear yet it kind of feels like george might be a love interest although they have not determined his like age or oh really i was thinking the guy who took her job might be a love interest oh well you know who else they have so many i think it's gonna be like a love hex hexagon because the detective too remember the detective later that had to admit to his superior that he was looking at her legs Oh, I mean, yeah. It could be like a uh, practical magic situation. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Let's talk about practical magic forever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so pretty quickly. So she talks to George a little bit. Not too much interesting happens there. As she's leaving, though, she discovers a dead body in the water i had to read that paragraph like three times to be like what is she looking at (laughs) yeah that was one of the first places that they don't describe what she's looking at and not in the way of like yeah it doesn't come across as suspenseful it comes across as like you're just not giving me information yeah well it was also kind of a weird setup because like i like i can picture it in my head 
now, but, like, I have no idea if what I'm picturing is right, because she was, like, in a parking lot walking to her car, and then all of a sudden she was, like, looking into, like, a river bank after she was looking into, like, a gutter? No, I yeah, I think what, because she describes it later, I think the way she, kind of, the steps that kind of followed were along the lines of like she saw the or she heard the cell phone first mm-hmm. um the cell phone was ringing and it was stuck in a like a uh what do you call it a gutter <laughs> <laughs> oh hi shadow oh my god sorry this is like the most chaotic recording we maybe have had in a while <laughs> oh god um yeah okay quarantine oh my god quarantine <laughs> Whew. wow it uh it's really getting us <laughs> oh god okay so yeah so i think i think it was like the seawall so like when she first pulls in the one of the first like paragraphs that is written is like her pulling up and getting out of her car and then being next to the water and like walking next to like a concrete wall that like separates the parking lot from the ocean. And I think it's that wall again that she was talking about when she finds the cell phone. So I think she found the cell phone in like a crack in the wall. Mm-hmm. And so I think she heard it buzzing. So it was like stuck in between a couple things. So it was like buzzing a lot. And then after she saw that, you're right. Cause the way it's written, it's like, it's like she heard something and then she started to see, like, fingers and hair. And, yeah, it kind of, like, was a little... It, I, I guess it was a little bit suspenseful. Because you're like, what? Tell me. What? <laughs> yeah. And then she has to... The next chapter, she has to go into the... um, Back into the place that just, like, turned her down. Like, snubbed their nose at her so hard. And um, tell them that she found a dead body. Yeah. Well, first she trips over a cat. So oh, that's right! We do get introduced to a cat in this section yeah full props to this book for not just teasing a cat on the cover but this cat is a full (laughs) character in this book and i love it yeah and actually something else that so i guess a lot did happen while she was in the studio is that what you call it um yeah well she's in a studio later you mean the just the The um, tv yeah station in the the station. station building yeah yeah Yeah, so when she was in there and, like, I mean, she got rejected so fast, but, like, a bunch of things did happen because she did, like, look on her way out. She was, like, looking along the wall and saw, like, all of the TV personalities. Mm, Um, That's right. And she did, oh, and I think it was in the conversation with George, she did hear that Ariel Constellation was missing, because they, she and George were talking and then Dawn came out and was like bumbling around and yelling stuff. Guys, her name is Ariel Constellation. Yeah. So we did get a little like preview and she did see Ariel Constellation's picture on the wall. And so a lot of the description of what she saw in the water matched up with the description of what she saw in the photo on the wall. Right. And when she's in there the first time, she does get the tidbit that... Um, the main head guy is like furious because Don is furious because Ariel Constellation left in just the in the middle of her or quote unquote they say left but it turns out that she actually well a lot of things turn out differently but it turns out that she just didn't show up she was there for part of her so maybe we should explain the show I'm realizing the show (laughs) it, it sounds super fun it's basically like 
an old school like monster movie style so like they actually show monster movies so it's not really like a show in terms of like it's 30 minutes it's an hour it's basically like her hosting a movie watching segment like a late night movie uh, like segment of a tv show or a tv station and um it was called it's called nightshades and it sounds super fun so basically she would come on at the beginning in aerial constellation and she would you know start off and she was very theatrical and very like you know crystally and she was very like had her um crystal ball and she just had a bunch of different like effects to that nature and so she would start off kind of that way and then she would like I think they would play like a movie and then in between they would have commercial breaks and then during the commercials she would not only read the commercials but she would also take calls from listeners and she would pretend to be well they say she would pretend to be they the station people didn't think that she fully believed in everything but she was putting on an act but she would um, take psychic, do psychic readings for people over the phone. And it was really more like a helpline. Like the more we see later of her taped segments, it, it does seem a lot of like people would call in and be like, should I go to college? And she'd be like, yes, you should go to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she would do like a whole kind of like spiel about it and be like, oh, what's your birthday? Like, oh, well, your astrological mm-hmm. science says that, like, you know, I I see in your future, like, indecisiveness, but, like, you need to, like, take control of this. And, you know, like, she yeah. made it, like, a whole big thing. But basically, yeah, just giving, like, really common sense advice to people. Yeah, exactly. Just, right, exactly, interspersed with the more fun, you know, astrological type things. Um, But we don't see that until later because going back to where we left Lee in the midst of... Dead body finding. In the midst of dead body finding. Sorry, (laughs) Franklin was just dropped into the room because he's being terrible. So I got him now. Franklin, come here. I was trying to get him to meow for us. Um, So yeah, in the midst of her dead body finding, so she goes back into the station she, you know, immediately tells. So she. this is when she meets Janice. Is that her name? Uh, that seems right. Yep. Right? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, um, right. So I do know. It's funny how much you can know about a character and then just, like, completely forget their name. Janice yeah. is George's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Janice is George's brother. She is more like the station manager. Sister. She's... Oh my god, sorry. Yes. Oh my god. What is happening to my brain? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you got it right. They're siblings. (laughs) Oh god. Yes. Janice is George's sister. And she's like a station manager-y type position. Um, She's pretty high up and she um, sort of instantly takes charge and you know, goes over to Rhonda, and as soon as she hears that there's been a dead body found, she has Rhonda call 911. Well, she tells Rhonda to call 911, but Rhonda has too many questions, so Janice is like, no, step away, I will do this, and so does it for her. Like, I'll do it, damn it. Yeah. Um, and then, sort of as everything's playing out, pretty quickly they discover, yeah, exactly, by the clues that Lee has from the picture, they're kind of asking, they obviously send, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, great. 
Franklin. Franklin. <laughs> um, where even asshole. were we? <laughs> um, Rhonda's not calling the police, which makes me suspicious. Oh, true. Of Rhonda. Mm-hmm. I also am suspicious of someone else, but we'll get to we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, I'm suspicious of a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like the nature of the the nature of the business. Um, yeah, so Janice calls the police. They kind of they watch from because they can actually see what's happening from up in the um, uh, TV station because it's so close. Because it turns out that this so this is Aerial Constellation. Lee sort of inadvertently confirms it by being like. Oh, well, like, this woman did have blonde hair, and she did have the ring that I saw in your portrait of Ariel Constellation on the the wall. And so, going back to, I don't even think I finished my thought earlier. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, (laughs) That uh, instead of, like, fully leaving the show, so, like, she had done part of her show... And basically she, when she put on like a, a movie and as the movie's playing, she doesn't technically have to be there. So she would actually go out to the seawall and she would smoke and just kind of hang out until it was, she had to go back on camera again. And so, and then it turns out one of the producers, this uh, woman, Marty, Marty, Marty. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's actually the one I'm suspicious of. Marty. Oh, calls I mean, her. she was there like. 24 7 and she was literally there when aerial constellation died like technically Mm -hmm. so i'm a little suspicious of her anyway so um the producer would call her to have her come back in when it was time for her to come back in and do her segment and um like host the in between and do the do the uh ads so um basically instead of like leaving like we hear at the beginning because it sounded like she had just like walked off in a huff but it's definitely more so that she just hadn't come back after um part of the movie she hadn't come back for the commercial break to do the ads so they were super mad um well the main guy was everyone else was like kind of worried and this woman marty claims that she was really like worried about it lily meets her a little bit later and and um marty says that she had been calling um calling Ariel all night and all morning. And it was actually potentially Marty's call that full circle Lee heard the cell phone ringing. That was potentially Marty calling Ariel to see where she was. And obviously she wasn't picking up. So yeah, that's a little bit of, of that. Yeah. So I think the next development is uh, Lee, like, immediately gets offered Ariel's job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like there's like almost no break. It's like, they call the police, the police come, they do a little bit of like, you know, where did you find her? What's going on? What happened? And then like, before Lee could even leave the station, uh, Janice pulls her into her office and was like, so Don wants me to find a replacement like by Monday. Um, and this is like it's like Thursday or something mm-hmm. like that. And she was like, "Yeah, we can run like a, you know, a special like memorial thing on Friday, and then you know her show doesn't run over the weekend. But I need to find a replacement in like three days, and you're the only one that has a resume in right now. So you got the job. Yeah." <laughs> 
And she does do a good job of, like, being that, like, hesitant main character of being like, no, 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 no. Like, I applied for the main report, the head reporter, field reporter job. That pays a lot more. That's a lot more prestige. Like, I'm also, like, she even clearly is like, I'm not a fucking psychic. And everyone that she talks to about is like, oh, well, neither was Ariel. Like, you went to a drama school. Like, she just faked it. Like, it was just acting. And she's like, yeah, but still, like, I don't know anything about it. Like, why would I do that? And um, then Janice does convince her by making the very good point that (laughs) if this new guy, Scott, is that his name? Scott Palmer? Mm -hmm. Scott. Um, So if the new field reporter fucks up, she'll be there and she can just take the job. And she's like, all right, I guess that's probably true. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's fair. He might fuck up. Yeah, because he's the one that's sent, like, all over town because right after this so first of all he does end up they you know i was actually surprised they called 911 first before sending news crews down there but they do call 911 and then in the same breath they send news crews down to cover the um the aerials the discovery of ariel's body mm-hmm. um but right after that well i guess we don't find that out until a little bit later i'll hold hold on that but Basically, Scott has a busy day. He has to prove himself day one. (laughs) Yes. Um, This did have the cozy mystery thing, I will say, of, like, not really chores, but, like, in the same vein as, like, Quiller and doing chores all the time. Um, And, like, just kind of putzing around town. She goes back and forth from their beautiful Victorian house to the TV station numerous Mm -hmm. times. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it has to be pretty close because, I mean, at one point her aunt... She and her aunt are both at the TV station, and then her aunt goes home to get, like, a change of clothes for her, and I think there was, like, maybe a 30-second conversation before her aunt comes back. (laughs) Yeah. So, it it seems like a pretty, maybe, like, either a pretty small town, or, like, she just lives pretty close by. Yeah, I think it's still driving distance, because she did have to take a cab at one point, and I think that cab driver is going to come into play because I don't know if you heard the little tidbit or picked up on it, but Ariel also didn't drive. And so I think we're going to find mm-hmm. out that that cab driver was probably Ariel's cab driver, too. Oh, you think so? It sounded like she took yeah. the bus, though. Oh, did it? I thought I heard bus, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. <laughs> I was letting my... I mean, I'm sure she took cabs, too. Maybe. I was letting my mystery brain run away with me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've actually never I this is sacrilege to say even though I lived in Boston for four years I always wanted to go to Salem and I never have I would love to I've heard it's delightful but yeah I think it is like on the smaller side of I mean not like tiny tiny but I think it's like you know contained within a certain Mm -hmm. amount of space so yeah I think her aunt Ibby Isabel Um, she's a local librarian or retired librarian that still kind of is in and around and seems to know everyone from her time as a librarian, um, has this like beautiful sounding Victorian house in Salem. And so the two of them are living there, I guess is where she grew up as well. Mm -hmm. Um, after her parents died, Lee, well, Lee had been sent to Aunt Ibby's house to stay while her parents went on vacation and then it turns out that her parents were in a plane crash that killed them and no I won't say that yet I was gonna say the like little 
bit of paranormal spoiler, but we'll save that for a little bit. Um, but yeah, what else do we get? We get like so much happens in this. Like she goes back home. Yeah. Well, the first thing she does is she goes back home to like kind of think about it because she's like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. like maybe I'll kind of like mull it over. And when she tells her aunt, her aunt is like weirdly against it from the start so we we do get a little Mm -hmm. we get a little suspicious from that she's like yeah i've like seen ariel's show like do you believe in that like i don't know you're not like psychic though are you like (laughs) kind of being that like "Eh, like might not be a good idea trying to talk her down from it um Mm -hmm. but she eventually does agree um janice calls her and uh lee does agree to take the position and her aunt ibby is like you know like she kind of comes around to being you know supportive of it so the first night is actually very fun she um they both go up to the attic together and uh kind of like rummage through some like old clothes and like antique jewelry and come up with like a persona for her yeah um because Ariel Constellation, surprise, was her, that not her, her real name. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, oh, she just, like, took that as a stage name. Uh, you know, like, she had kind of, like, uh, like, more of a, like, I don't n- really know the style I would describe her as, but she did seem like kind of an older woman, maybe a little less, like, hippie crystals and a little bit more like beehive and pink floral yeah i feel like the delineation might be like psychic like kind of like tv psychic that you think of like palm reader type and then it it seems like they're trying to delineate like lee feels like she can fit more into like the crystal side of things like crystals and like astrology more so and mm-hmm. yeah kind of... more of the like more of like what you would think of as Merelda maybe type vibe oh yeah because i think they even do mention esmeralda at one point yeah so she goes up and she gets her costume together her uh mm-hmm. her get up so it's it is very like like flowy kind of like more crystal-y kind of like Esmeralda-y and she takes the name Crystal um, right? Crystal Moon and so mm-hmm. she that is her persona less uh, stereotypical like TV psychic and more like new age type of like that kind of persona yeah exactly and so yeah she puts it together pretty fast and then yeah that night right exactly they put everything together um, the next morning, she's kind of starting to, you know, get everything together, and she actually goes into the... Oh my god, everyone's being so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Quarantine. Quarantine. <laughs> oh my god. Did you see the meme that was like... I think it was someone tweeting something that was like, Mad props to this dad that just took his kid out onto their balcony and they just screamed for 30 seconds and went back inside. (laughs) It's like, yes, I feel that. (laughs) Um, 
Oh my god, sorry. I um, had to kick Franklin out because he's being so terrible. I will cut out all of the times I cursed at him. (laughs) 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 Oh god, I'm losing my mind. Um, Well, yeah, so she does put together her crystal moon persona. She decides to go back into the studio the next day because she has to set up a stage test um to give mm-hmm. to don even though everyone's like don's gonna like it because he doesn't give a shit about this show and he just wants someone to fill in <laughs> and read the ads like it doesn't really matter but we have to do it and uh so she goes in to schedule that and then she goes in also to see the set and so that's when we get this like amazing set so like she gets to go in and look around the set um oh we did really briefly we m- did leave out one little thing from the the first body finding instance she does have a moment where she is interviewed by a detective detective bondello mm-hmm. and it's pretty brief but he's it's kind of cursory he just asks her a bunch of questions she answers them um it's very expository of like yes we were there when she found the body you're just retelling this other character that we know but that comes into play now because she goes to the set it's she meets marty so she meets marty marty talks about um that's when we find out that marty was the producer that used to call ariel back in it was her calling she gets to wander lee gets to wander around the set a little bit um and she decides that she's going to take some things home with her we also get when she first walks in we get lee's first vision potentially or no we're not sure yeah we kind of do <laughs> I mean, we think so. Um, yeah, because, but I mean, what does she really take from set? She takes like some tarot cards, like some books, mm-hmm. and then she she finds a black obsi- obsidian. Is that the word? Yeah, I thought it was a crystal ball, but it also everyone kept saying obsidian, so I was like, I actually don't know what this. Yeah, is so it's not a crystal ball because, oh. um, yeah, they explain it. So it's a it's a black obsidian ball mm-hmm. because uh, it might have been George was complaining that her crystal ball um, reflected too much light into the camera, oh. so she had to get rid of it. But she got a black one instead, so she has this like I'm assuming crystal ball sized obsidian rock. So basically a crystal ball, but black. That's right. Okay, yeah, I do remember that now. Um, Yeah, so uh, it sounds like Lee kind of from the beginning was like, ew, I don't like black shiny things, which is a weird thing to dislike. Yeah, Um, that's right. I forgot that she said that because, yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, she has a a reason, like a subconscious reason that she's not aware of, but... (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, so she she takes a look at the ball and was like, I don't really want this. But as she's looking at it, she sees another dead body. Yes. And has a momentary panic of like, oh my god, I just saw another dead body. And a different um, dead body. And a different dead body. And so she screams and draws some attention. And that's when she meets Marty. Right. And then Marty comes in with the kind of fun but kind of boring explanation that it was probably just that her monitor the monitor in on that set was turned on and reflecting and so she was seeing a reflection of a broadcast they were getting ready to send out about a new fucking dead body they just discovered another dead body 
Um, so this one, we get a little bit more information because after Marty and Lee talk, we do get to see the full broadcast after Lee freaks out and we meet Marty and we get their little chit chat. Um, most of the information I think we already already gave you, except that uh, we do get marty giving lee the instructions that she can take these cool canvas bags which i want one i don't know why i'm so obsessed with canvas bags like i just want them all in my <laughs> possession and she's like oh just go take george's locker is always open it has a ton of sweat like you know um station swag she's like just go take some uh canvas bags and like take whatever you want from set so you can get used to it and like you know read the books so she does do that but in the meantime they she marty as she's leaving is like Oh, and also, like, if you want to stay caught up, like, I'll leave the um, the monitor on for the broadcast so you can see what's happening with the the new dead body that was just found. And so it turns out it's a woman whose throat has been cut in an apartment not too far from the station. And so I think that's... Do- Are there any other details? Oh, Right. There's the other detail that um, because Lee is like, hey, how did the new guy do? Is he doing terribly? And Marty's like, no, he's doing fine. Like, he's a new guy. So, like, we had to, you know, edit a little bit. And Lee's like, how much did you have to edit him? And she's like, oh, you know, just the normal amount. We also had to cut out the fact that the fucking they found a um, a knife, like a murder weapon. And it was wrapped in a TV station logo uh, rain jacket mm-hmm. and so she was like we obviously edited that out which that's withholding information <laughs> I mean it's withholding information from the public the police probably know that's true that's true the police do know um, which that goes back to why I'm suspicious of Marty actually because Marty not that like it sounds like everyone has access to George's locker and like all of that TV station swag but she was the initial one that we see be like oh yeah just go into the locker and like it has all the canvas bags and like Lee also sees those uh rain jackets in the um in that locker back there too which I guess could point to George too but I don't know why it clued me into Marty a little bit more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I mean I was I wasn't necessarily suspicious of Marty, but I was suspicious of the fact that she admits to, like, sleeping at the station every night, and no one thought to question her about the night Ariel died. Yeah, that was super weird. She Exactly, yeah. She says to, like, when she's telling the story of the night that Ariel went missing slash um, died, she, uh, Marty says that she was just so you know, kind of distraught that she couldn't, um, that she couldn't find Ariel and she was calling her so often that she actually just stayed the night at the station and slept on the set, on the couch, on the set of Nightshades. And you're right. I thought the same thing too, because when, so we have another, uh, another interim where Lee goes home with, uh, Aunt Ibby and they, actually they get the cat at that point too, don't they? Yeah, I was about to say, I think they, they take the cat at this point because mm-hmm. Aunt, so Lee came in a, a cab in a taxi, mm-hmm. um, because Aunt Ibby had to go like run some errands or stop by the library, but then she finished early and came to pick Lee up and they were, yeah, they were talking to, they were both talking to Marty about the cat because she was like, um, oh, yeah, you know, like, you probably just, like, saw, well, first, before she 
um, mentioned that she had seen something in the the crystal. Marty came in and thought she had screamed at a rat. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we have those. But, like, the cat usually takes care mm, of them. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't been coming inside since Ariel died. So, like, he's kind of useless if we can't get him inside. And Aunt Ibby was like, well, we'll take him. <laughs> yeah. And this poor cat has been, like, outside all day. Which, like, obviously cats are outside and that's fine. But this cat in particular apparently, like, stays inside usually. And so they kind of were like, I don't know if he's eaten. And, like, I don't know what's going on with this cat. So and Aunt Ibby, I did love that Aunt Ibby is just like, goodbye, I'm going to go catch this cat. And they're kind of <laughs> like, are you? And then they walk and um, Lee is like, yeah, I yes we're gonna walk outside and she's gonna have the cat and they do they walk outside and she's holding the orion is his name um apparently like the constellation but lee calls him o apostrophe ryan like the irish spelling which i think is kind of a fun boston nod and uh yeah so aunt abby catches orion and orion could not be happier Mm -hmm. with his new life yeah he's getting (laughs) the quillerin treatment of like crab and tuna all day long yeah yeah they did actually bring which i think this might actually be important somehow later Mm -hmm. they do get another canvas bag lee gets another canvas bag to bring the cat food there's specific cat food that was on set and marty's the one that's like oh why don't you take this since you're taking the cat just take the cat food take another bag um and just like throw the cat food in it and so lee does and then both times the cat turns its fucking nose up at this food and is like which i mean granted this cat had also been fed uh, a ton of tuna and crab and so of course the cat's like no i no longer eat this dry food <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to skip ahead a little bit because i think we're like almost there um mm-hmm. they because in between it's mostly just kind of like cozy mystery stuff of like lee watches some more um tapes of Ariel's shows and tries to get a little more of like the lingo down she tries to learn tarot she tries to learn um, some more about crystals and then she's actually called back into the station immediately by the um, police department they're like did you take shit from set from the set and she's like yeah it's my job now I was given this stuff to take like I was told to take it and they're like, bring it all back right now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she heads back to the station. She gets the fucking third degree from um, Detective Mondale's superior. Yeah. And I actually think this is the next day because this is right before her, um, her like, test Oh, yeah. Run. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, she does get caught like immediately in the morning. The detective calls her in and is like, uh, so where were you the night that this woman died and she was like uh getting off a plane from florida <laughs> she does have like the perfect alibi she's like i you want to know where i was at midnight i was literally getting off a plane my aunt picked me up and it took approximately like we weren't even in town like it takes and i would say that's a conservative about a guess like 45 minutes from logan airport to salem massachusetts it's probably more like an hour i would guess yeah i mean i have no idea but i'm convinced that it takes an hour to get from any airport to anywhere <laughs> Yes, correct. And this is where everyone admits to looking at Lee's legs because they go through this whole, like, timeline because clearly this de- um, detective, the uh, the head head detective, uh, Mondale's superior, 
is suspicious of Lee because he's like not really believing anything she says. She like retells her story. He's like super skeptical. And then he's like, oh, so like you say, yeah, I can't remember how they actually got on the timeline of it, but she, I think maybe she brings it up because she's like, oh, and you'll probably find my blood all over the fucking parking lot because I ate it tripping over a cat and like, look, you can still see the scrapes on my hands and knees. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, interesting. So like you scraped your knees and like everyone around her, George is there, Detective Mondale's there, Aunt Ibby's there too. And so like literally all of these people are like, no, we saw her at like 9 a.m. with no rips and no bloody palms. And then we saw her after the fact and she had these things and like at one point detective mondale is like yes i can confirm like i didn't see her before the situation but i did see her after and like i could couldn't i can confirm that you know her her uh stockings were ripped and his superior is like how did you notice that how did you think to notice that which i thought was a weird question because it's like if you're a detective you just that's your job to notice things yeah also like i know stockings are meant to be like discreet on your legs but if you have a fucking rip then it's like super noticeable (laughs) oh a hundred percent yeah because it's like a weird shade like stockings are never leg color like they're supposed to be but they're not yes no exactly like if you've ever worn a stocking with a run in it like you know it's the only thing you can think about while you're wearing them oh a hundred oh buddy oh you're gonna get chased so hard i'll let you see you (laughs) oh no yeah stockings like obviously people are gonna notice they're ripped everyone's corroborating it hasn't come back up so like i mean i assume it might a little bit but it sounds like she's mostly cleared because everyone is like yes no she was not in salem at midnight she also did not have these rip stockings and blood on her palms and like so they do make her like swab like um do like a dna swab and they um do her fingerprints as well um but they also take back all of the items that she's that she has taken from um the set including the cat food which is very interesting they kind of make a big scene of like did you bring everything back and she's like yeah and they're like what about the cat food and she's like no one would think to bring the cat food back why would (laughs) why would you think that and so they actually make actually aunt ibby decides to go back and get it Aunt ibby makes so many runs back to the house because she goes back for that and then after the detectives are like all set she also goes back to the house to get because they're like oh well since you're here lee like you might as well do your screen test and she's like uh okay i guess so and like just there's just like so much packed into like one time frame and so aunt ibby runs back and gets her outfit for that too mm-hmm. and then i forget what happens after that because that's pretty close to the end isn't it that is pretty close to the end i mean we do have the grand reveal of her mystical powers um, oh, right. But I actually think we messed up the timeline. I think that was the night beforehand. Oh, okay. Because we do have, like, that one little last scene at the very end of her her practice shoot, and that's the end of the section. But we did miss, like, the main event of... Oh, that's true. We did. The, Whoops. Yeah, the, the grand reveal. So when... I think... Yeah, I actually now I don't know because <laughs> it might have been maybe it was the next morning. Oh, geez, I don't I'm like really unsure of the timeline of this, but 
Um, well, it's that cozy mystery thing. Like, they keep going back and forth. It was like, yeah, they were like, home, they were back. They were home, they yeah, were back. Yeah, because it was definitely when they were home. Um, but it was like definitely after they picked out the outfit because while they were picking out the outfit there was like a locked drawer that she was like oh what's in this and her aunt was like well, i don't know um mm-hmm. so it was definitely after that so I, it must have been the next morning she's kind of talking with her her aunt um and i think it comes out that she had oh because i think it was her aunt saw the uh, the crystal that she brought back the obsidian ball oh that's and, right and she was like why on earth would you bring that into this house and got mm-hmm. like really like visibly upset about it and yeah. lee was like wait a minute like something is going on here like what's the matter like what's wrong with this obsidian ball and so it comes out that um, when Lee was a child, mm. she actually used to see pictures and images in, like, shiny black surfaces. Um, yeah. And it kind of, like, went, it sounds like it kind of, like, went away with time, like, as she got older or, like, as her aunt, like, just mostly hid black surfaces from her for the rest of her life (laughs) um but yeah it it resurfaced when she saw that obsidian ball we think because you know she saw the murder scene and um yeah so she she kind of brings that up with her aunt and was like actually i did see something in it so her aunt takes her upstairs And as she's kind of, like, explaining what used to happen to her as a child, she pulls out the the drawer that had been locked before and pulls out her um, little black, um, like, shiny black, um, like, Sunday shoes that she used to wear as a little kid. And that's kind of, like, where apparently she had seen or, like, been, you know, like, most of her life been, like, seeing all of the images that... I guess she she had been able to see as a child. Yeah, including the one that I think I kind of alluded to earlier of um, it was a Sunday morning. I think they were going to church. Uh, it was that time frame where Lee was staying with Aunt Ibby because her parents were on vacation. And she had always been like so excited to see these like, quote unquote, like pictures in surfaces. And so she was so excited when she saw one of her parents in those shoes and then it turns out that she watched her parents, like, die in a fiery plane crash in her shoes as a vision. Yeah, pretty crazy. So that's um, pretty traumatizing. But she had, like, fully forgotten almost. Yeah, and it was kind of weird how that scene played out because it was, like, it wasn't really an explanation of what was happening it was almost like she pulled the shoes out and she like saw her whole childhood like flashback like in the shoes yeah yeah because it wasn't described to us in a way that fully i don't want to say made sense because that is mean but (laughs) but kind of (laughs) but kind of because yeah it, it turned into italics it turned into third person and it was because it's uh, normally first person from Lee's perspective. And so, yeah, it was very strange. Like, yeah, I didn't know exactly what to make of that either. Um, and then later, Ibby, Aunt Ibby kind of harkens back to that of like, oh, you saw something again, didn't you, when you saw the shoes? And then 
Lee kind of confirms like, yeah, it all kind of came back. So I think we're supposed to think that that's a vision or a part of her powers somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then the end of that. Oh, and we also get a little bit of nice cat snuggles in this because Orion does kind of snuggle up with Lee and I think does also tend to be kind of present when things are. I might be reading into this too much because I really want a paranormal cat in this, but um i mean it does seem like an extra aware cat right yeah i thought okay i thought so too and it is ariel constellations cat i don't think we said that it was like the station cat like she never brought it home like it wasn't technically like her cat but it was like her show like she would kind of like take care of it and like would bring it on her show yeah the cat orion was actually on the show sometimes would like jump into her lap and kind of walk around set and which is kind of a fun idea Mm -hmm. i also while we've been talking just got out the cat medieval cat tarot cards that em and christine gave me for my birthday a couple years ago (gasps) nice and i i think i want to learn how to read tarot cards this quarantine I know. I would love to learn how to read. <gasps> Let's learn how to read tarot cards this quarantine. Yeah. I actually have tarot cards, too. Do you really? Oh, my I God. I do. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to find us a tarot card book that we can read. and ma- Oh, maybe we can do a whole episode on that. We could do, like, a tarot card. Maybe, like, a mini in-between yeah. episode or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I derailed us for the final time because I think we've (laughs) gotten to the end here. (laughs) Yes. So we went out of order a little bit, but now that we're fast forward slash um, looking back on the time that we were talking about (laughs) the next day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Correct. Which is when she got called into the station, had her little... uh, police interview and is finally doing her like practice tv segment um don't you dare touch that Junie. it's not yours <laughs> don't no don't do it <laughs> okay you can sit on my lap but you cannot stand in front of my microphone um yes so back at the station Back in the next day, um, they wrap up. I don't remember if anything eventful happens during her practice segment. Do you remember? No, I did. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I think, and I, I don't even really think that we get to that, do we? Like, I, I think they set up for it, but (gasps) I don't think. Oh my god, we missed something else. (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) Um. So her. Uh, this is where she meets her uh, rival. Oh, yeah. They go to like a pub or something mm-hmm. and they yeah. her. There is like a little um, like right before. Okay. So we didn't miss it. This is, I think, the next thing that happened. Because maybe she didn't even get to do her segment. Um, I don't think she has yet. Yeah, yeah. I think we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So she was at the station getting the third degree by the, the police. Um that were trying to pin a murder on her when she was out of town. Yeah. So, yeah, they were going to start. So kind of like everyone shows up at the station because um, they had the whole like parking lot set up as a murder scene because now they're thinking that it wasn't an accidental drowning, that it was an actual murder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did forget yeah. to say that. Whoops. <laughs> um, yes. So everyone is kind of like forced into the station. So, um, oh my God, what is her name? Janice? 
Janice. Yeah, so Janice was there. She wasn't supposed to be there. I think Marty must have been there and maybe George um, or definitely George. Um, and yeah. also the new reporter mm-hmm. who took Lee's job. Um, and he seems very nice. I was expecting him to be written as like an asshole, like an arrogant asshole, but he seems very clueless about taking her job and like semi-apologetic and like generally a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so they, they like kind of start to like get towards her practice run and then we're like, actually we're hungry. Let's go to lunch first. Um, so they they end up at a like a little diner um and order some drinks but like right as they're ordering drinks the the new guy and George get called back to the station and so they like zoom out the door and Lee's kind of like damn it that should have been me <laughs> right <laughs> could have been me i could have been a needed reporter Um, But she kind of, like, slowly makes her way back to the station, too, and sees the final scene of the this section. Um, So fucking good. I forgot about this part. Yeah, it's, like, such a good place to leave off on. She, like, Mm -hmm. looks out, and so she makes it into the parking lot and looks out into the water, and she sees, like, a barge-type boat. Like, I'm kind of picturing... Um, what Tobias was on in Arrested <laughs> Development when he was like dressed up as a sexy pirate and right. makes it onto the like <laughs> the the gay protest. <laughs> yeah, the like gay party <laughs> out in the boat, like kind of mm-hmm. like a like an open boat type barge, and there's like a bunch of people on it, just kind of like out there, like throwing things into the water. And um, so she makes her way kind of like towards it. And um, and I think she asks Janice or Marty. I can't remember who she asks, but turns one or the other. Yeah. Whoever she was talking to was like, "Um, they're throwing like herbs and, you know, like crystals and like spices and like whatever, uh, whatever they they have into the water um, as like a, a, I guess, a, a token or like you know, a, a send-off for um, Ariel, and those are um, actually witches. It's her coven, mm-hmm. because it turns out she was their, uh, like, head head witch for that coven. Yeah, which is like, whoa, we've only heard that she did not really, you know, think much of this world, and, you know, I don't know. It just like it in a great way was like, oh, this brought up so many more questions. And so that was, yeah, really a cool last visual and last little like cliffhanger to leave on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good work. Remembering that through the chaos quarantine brain. Good work, Jules. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> oh, God, we did it. I'm so sorry to everyone. I hope I edited it seamlessly enough that you didn't hear all of the things that uh that happened during this uh recording but yeah uh good work everyone (laughs) (laughs) yes we made it through we're in a new book we're in a new book (laughs) (laughs) we're in a new time in our lives (laughs) we're in a new time uh we're gonna learn tarot cards it's great yeah gonna be great 
Um, tarot card readings. Ugh. Yes. I know. I feel like I should take pictures of these tarot cards because they're so pretty. They're like medieval. So it's like cats dressed up like medieval people. It's really good. Nice. Um, okay. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you can find us online. I've been keeping up with some of the little fun little reading corner videos I've been doing. Um, we've been doing some fun Kitty World news on our Patreon. We have a Patreon you can go to um, if you so feel so inclined. What else? Yeah, find us online. And we'll be back next time. Yes, we will. Still oh. in quarantine. <laughs> oh, gosh. still in quarantine. So extra pet your kitties for us. <laughs> <laughs> or stay away from your kitties. I don't know. They might be tired of you. <laughs> uh, that's, yes, probably true, too. I mean, mine clearly were displaying nothing but disdain for my life choices today. <laughs> yeah, no, mine are a little out of control, too. So <laughs> take a nice right. break from your kitties. <laughs> Or let them take a break from you, should that be the case. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.